Hi everyone, welcome to Real Talk with Abigail. I'm your host, Abigail. Let's be real, life has its ups and downs, and sometimes we don't take the time to really talk about it. So that's what I'm gonna do, talk about it. If you like what you hear in today's episode, be sure to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. So let's get started with today's episode. Hey guys, it's Abigail here again, back with another episode of Real Talk with Abigail. And my special guest today is Shannon Meyer. How are you, Shannon? I'm doing great, Abigail. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, of course. I've been wanting to have you on the show because you have a heart for ministry and you are such an encouragement and I think people are really going to love listening to you. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, my heart is for ministry and just encouraging, inspiring people through the word of God. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. Well, (laughs) I'm the founder of Journey Living Ministries, primarily a women's ministry, but it has just, I've been speaking for over 20 years and about five or six years ago, God's just put upon my heart to really make that solid commitment. Um, I do have a day job, but the ministry is just flowering into so many avenues. So I speak, I write, I teach Bible studies, I do conferences, I do 24-hour intensive weekends. Um, I'm out in the community. So it's here that um, my love for the Lord just spills over into everything I do. (laughs) (laughs) That's just awesome. So let's get into a little bit more of the backstory. When did you know you were called to ministry and what did God do to take you there? Well, I think years ago, this this kind of dates me. I used to go to the Women of Faith conferences years ago mm-hmm. and t- into the big arenas. And I can just remember we always had very, very good seats, like in the first 10 rows, sometimes first, second rows. And I just remember watching those ladies um, call to order the life we could live as women and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to just speak. And I just remember that dream being put in me that that's what I want to be someday when I grow up. Now, mind you, <laughs> I'm in my 30s as God is is giving me this dream. Um, and then I just began speaking and people would say, man, you have a gift or why isn't this your day job? And, you know, God just began putting me in situations, mother-daughter banquets and just church outings and um, Bible studies and leading. And it just, it's just taking that step one step after the other and doors just kept opening. And it was just like, God was saying, move here, go here, go here, go here. Um, I've tried things and doors have shut, but I've also tried things and they've just flung wide open. Um, and then God, of course, teaches you, as you know, in ministry, more lessons than you would ever have asked for. <laughs> but <laughs> there that um, I think that's our growing time. But um, God is also careful not to put you into something too soon until he mm-hmm. builds your character um, because ministry is very messy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very messy, as you know, Abigail. And so. So, um, you know, little by little, I think keeping my day job kept me grounded with a lot of people. I I do think sometimes when you're in full-time ministry, and this isn't against anybody, but I think sometimes when we're in that church bubble, we get sidetracked of what's really going on in the world. And there's a part of, um, you know, like I, I did jail ministry for a minute and I just remember loving being with those women because they were so real and raw. Mm. And I loved, 
giving them hope when they were the absolute most hopeless. And I just felt like God has just kept putting me in places to encourage and inspire women. And I can remember kind of a, I don't know if you ever fight with God, but <laughs> uh, we've had our moments <laughs> or have those spirited conversations, I guess I would say, um, where I just felt called to to do this and he's and I would say God I'm not a preacher you know I was even raised in the church that you know women would be silent and I kept you know seeing this nudge and being continued um, invitations and he's like I didn't call you to be a preacher he said I called you to encourage inspire mm. the word and I can remember when he called me just saying what do you want me to tell your people and he just said I want you to tell them how much I love you and I guess from then on, I've never looked back and I've never really questioned because I think the enemy worked hard to question my credentials, you know, not having a seminary degree. Um, who do you think you are? He would take that religious spirit of women are supposed to be silent in the church, sit down, be quiet, aren't to be heard. Um, I believe the older women are to teach the the younger. And I think there's a great place in God's ministry, in his church world for women to just minister to the heart of anybody who will listen. I know his those women supplied his ministry. You know, the mm -hmm. women um, funded his ministry. The women were huge parts of that. And there were prophetesses and judges and women who, who were profound, um, made a profound impact in just spreading the news of yeah. Jesus Christ. So yeah. I had to kind of dismantle what the enemy, you know, as you know, will come in and whisper in your ear, even in the religious sector, oh, sure. to say, you shouldn't be here. So yeah. I don't know if I answered your question in the calling, but it's always kind of just always been there. Um, my husband and I were just having this conversation last night that if I'm not doing ministry, something in my heart is heart sick. Mm, um, yeah. And I'm, I'm just like, he retired years ago from some health issues and he ran heavy equipment and I see him still looking at big bulldozers and big track hose. And like, mm. I can see that heart sick, like he wishes he could still be on the heavy equipment. And I said, I'm just like that when I'm not teaching, when I'm not speaking, when I'm not writing, when I'm not helping encourage people, my heart is sick because I just feel like that's what God's called me to do. And if I'm yeah. not doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. And when he calls you to something, how dare us disobey, right? Right. And I think it's there that he will let us even get so frustrated that you do become a little bit like sickly, like because it is mm. the call on your life. And when God, first of all, the call or to be chosen, we're all ministers, all of us, mothers, no matter what we're doing, because yeah. we're all leaders, we're all mm -hmm. mini ministers because we're raising our kids. We've got sisters and and co-workers and people are watching us. And as you know, my tagline is you may be the only Jesus that somebody will ever see. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the greatest minister of all, <laughs> seminary degree or not. What do you look like? And so yeah. as God has called me to live out that line in and of itself, I encourage people with that is um, what do you look like as Jesus? Would you, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would you be found guilty? Mm. <laughs> oh, we're getting deep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So something you said um, a minute ago was that it's like your day job keeps you grounded because it exposes yeah. you to more of the world. Absolutely. Do you have stories or anything you could talk about where you were in your day job or just in the general public in the world where people noticed you were different? And you could see the change in them by watching you. I, I think well, my day job is a truancy officer for our local um, school district. So 
I always say I get to work with the judges to the drug dealers and everybody mm. in between. Um, truancy, when I went to school, was when we would go and we would go check the waves out. I lived in Florida, see what kind of, if we were going to surf that afternoon, or you'd go to breakfast or, you know, run away for an hour with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, you would skip school, something like that. Today, truancy is the icing on the cake of everything that's beneath. You know, we have addictions and parents are overdosing or incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Kiddos are orphaned. Um, they're couch surfing. They're, they're abandoned at an unbelievable rate. So I'm in the trenches with the stuff that's really going on in society that um, is very, very messy. Mm-hmm. But I think there's two things that really stand out to me. One, and this is a really tough story to talk about, but um, there was a young man that I had to do an emergency removal from the school. And that's part of my position too, when things kind of go off the chain at school, if we don't have a parent to come get them, they'll ask me to take them out of the building. Mm-hmm. And this young guy just was in trouble all the time. And um I was just like, buddy, you got to get the, you got to get things together. And I have kind of that five minutes with them in my car and that I can just kind of minister to them. Um, I'm not preachy, but I'll say, you know, you know, there's a plan for your life. And they're like, no, there's not. And I'm like, yeah, there mm-hmm. is. God created you for a purpose. And I always know, you know, I have to be careful crossing church and state with the schools. Yeah. But um, I don't I don't want to not have that opportunity just to speak life into those kiddos. But this young man had um, just really been off the chain. And I can remember just time to get it together. And, you know, he's like, I, Mrs. Meyer, I just haven't been able to do that since my dad died. And I'm like, well, what, what's going on? And he's like, well, my dad hung himself and I found him and I had to cut him down. And, and mm. you know, that story just still to this day grips my soul to think here I am scolding this young man and and him acting out in school. And and that's what I say. I mean, this is a bad story. This is, it's graphic, but it's truth of the reality in which we live in the year Mm. 2021, 22, that kids are dealing with major life crisis that you and I, and you're you're still young, the school has changed so much and it's a war zone and their houses are war zones. And so, you know, to me, I just wanted to grab the kid, pull a car on the side of the road and hug him and love him and take him home (laughs) because I knew what he was going back home to. Fast forward a couple of years, I just remember him being in the nurse's clinic and blood was still coming out of his ear from the night before where his mom's boyfriend had beat him. And I just thought, you know, how how real? And I I think Jesus met the people where they were at. And it it is not in the church pew. I mean, no. God, Jesus went about doing good to the prostitute, to the tax collector, which is our modern day drug dealer. They say, you know, um, to the demoniac, which is today's schizophrenic or mental health person. You just just change the label, the label or the name that we have on it. But I would I would say those moments in my time have etched when I would be like, I could be doing full time ministry in a church somewhere, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, oh, this would this would make me feel better. But then it's there that God has reminded me, Shannon, you truly are the only Jesus that this kid will ever see. Wow. Oh and my gosh. so, I, and those are the moments that um, just wrench your heart that I know the Lord has allowed me to stay in the schools and do ministry in tandem. Is it exhausting? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I always say when I get to heaven, I'm just going to sleep because <laughs> there, there is this balance of ministry, but the need is so great. But um, there's those moments in time that you absolutely know it was a God ordained, God inspired 
appointment for him to be him himself in you to you to truly be the hands and feet of him and not just a Mm -hmm. flippant church saying or christianese kind of answer you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. um, i think we have a lot of those um little innuendos or you know romans 8 28 it's all gonna work out and yeah you don't say those in the moments when someone's facing trauma and life crisis but i'd say (laughs) the other one is i had when i did the jail ministry um, I remember the gal came in, I kind of was shutting the door and getting ready to start and just started crying. I'm like, what's, what, what is going on? I said, I haven't even started. You know, we always ended up crying or, you know, I know the Lord just met him there, but um, she's like, she just looked at me and she said, you just smell good. And I was like, what? what? And I just thought what we take for granted. Yeah. The freedom that we have when we're on the outside. These are women that made a poor choice that ended up with the wrong guy. Um, I had one girl who was there. She drug charge, but she was a college graduate, a real estate agent, beautiful in stripes. And I said, if you are beautiful without any hair and makeup and in stripes in jail, I can't imagine what you would look like on the outside. (laughs) But just incredible stories. One girl was in the car of her boyfriend. He went in and I think he was going to rob him and police showed up at her house the next day. And, you know, they said, you were part of a murder. And she's like, what are you talking about? And she said, uh, no, I was with my boyfriend last night. He goes, well, during that robbery, they were murdered. She's now in prison for a very, very long time for being accessory to murder. And wow. those are the women that look to me for hope. Mm. Like the, 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 the life stories that you don't, we don't really talk about in church. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. And I can remember somebody in ministry in our community saying to me, don't you feel dirty when you come out of there? And I'm like, oh my goodness, no. I feel so blessed. And that's yeah. that's the part that I am given the privilege of not being in the church bubble, so to speak, or mm-hmm. I get to be on the outside of the bubble, but being connected in the church world, that I get to see that real stuff, the tangible stuff. But back to the fragrance, she just said, I smelled good and it must have been my perfume or whatever. But to me, I felt like that was the fragrance of the Lord on me. Mm. And I, it just, I hope, brought her to tears that she saw Jesus wow. in me. And it's those stories that tell me, keep going. Yeah. And the enemy is trying his ever loving best to shut me down at every turn. God is putting those divine appointments saying, you keep going. I need you here. I need you here. I need you here. This person needs you here. And and I used to think of coincidence, and I never to this day anymore see any coincidence. I just know there's divine appointments, you know. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. <laughs> they're just all divine appointments by the Lord. And every morning my prayer is, yes, Lord, and how can I serve you today? I love that. That's good. I'm learning from that. That's great. <laughs> so good. So Okay, moving on a little bit. How has God used trials in your life to strengthen you and your ministry? Oh, here we go. (laughs) How much time do we have? Yeah, really. (laughs) Um, Well, I would say how he's used the trials is to probably strip me of myself. Mm. Um, I don't know so much of it's a strengthening within me from me as it is the strengthening. He has stripped me literally of myself so my strength comes from him and him alone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so um, I remember when my husband was diagnosed with cancer four years ago, the first verse that came to me was in Isaiah where it says, watch or see 
that I'm about to do a new thing. And I kept thinking mm. that was in, in, in the Badlands. Let me mm-hmm. finish that verse. You know, he, he's about to do a, a new thing in the Badlands or the Wastelands. And I thought for sure my husband was going to pass away. Um, I was going to go on and do this ministry, fulfill my dream. Never did I think that the new watch and see that I'm about to do a new thing was the complete stripping of my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we're still currently in that journey of four years in this cancer battle. And at every turn, God continues to use those trials in this cancer journey to strip me of myself yeah, and to truly become, um, whether it's the thorn that he does not remove mm. and where you're weak, Shannon, I will be strong. And mm. so I obviously was a very prideful person and I'm a type A, I'm a go-getter, I'm a mover <laughs> and a shaker. And that's my personality. And I believe that's how he built me. I really do. I don't, I don't say that's wrong, but what happens in those personalities is kind of sometimes it's your way or the highway or it's your agenda. I've got this great mission, God, you're going to use me here, here, here. And God's like, yeah, that's all sounds good, but (laughs) I'm in charge. You're the little G that you think you are. And I'm still the G. You know, um, he's taught me in my trials, have no other gods before me does not mean the golden calf or the car in your Hmm. garage. It means you, Shannon. Yeah, that is You are not... You are to have no other God starting with yourself. Yeah. And so when I think we are so hyper-focused on what we want, even in ministry and what we think God has for us, um, then it's just crazy because then we get this, I, I'm this way, I'll speak for myself. I get this bright idea and, oh, God can use me here. God can use me there. He can. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And all the time I'm saying those things, it's all about me. Yeah. I, 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 I. the operative word in there is I. And God is saying, yeah, you could, but I want to be first. And yeah. so my trials have been to do nothing but strip me of myself and mm. for, for, for him to build his strength in me, yeah, not my strength. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Yeah, <laughs> because I myself, the past couple of years, I got stripped away of a lot. You did. I really did. You did. I know your story. Yes. And oh my goodness, I, I was brought to the, my lowest point in early 2021 where everything I thought I had or wanted was gone. Yeah. And there was nothing else I had left. And, or so I thought. Right. And um, it was in that moment that God completely transformed me, my perspective, my faith. Like I was mad at God for a sure. long time. I turned from him for yeah. a while. And it was in those moments God completely radically changed my perspective and grew my faith and inspired my ministry. And it was amazing. I never could regret my, the trials I walked through Mm -hmm. because of what it did in my life. It makes me think of that time in the wilderness. And I had a friend, a really great friend. She was struggling watching me go through it. And she's like, I just want to go and help you there. And I said, you can't go. Mm. You can't go. Jesus was in the wilderness by himself. All of our wastelands, our our badlands, our wilderness living is with the Lord and the Lord himself. He, mm-hmm. I mean, it says, you know, that he, he was there alone um, with Satan, mm. you know, his, his, his <laughs> tempter, his arch enemy. Um, but it's also there that he leaned upon the word of God 
solely to get him through that. Um, at his weakest moment, probably so. Um, it says, you know, at the end of that time, the angels came and ministered to him. Mm-hmm. I, I think he had to probably be at his lowest, but it's there that he also redeemed in 40 days what the Israel lost, Israelites lost in 40 years. Wow. Yeah, you know, that that redemptive time of being in the wilderness. Mm. Jesus did it in 40 days compared to, you know, he had to let a whole generation die off yeah. in that wilderness time of living. And I think the difference, well, I know the difference between Jesus and the Israelites is they grumbled and complained. <laughs> and Jesus just allowed the Lord to work in and through him. Um, yeah. And then it was there that he started his ministry. And it's there that I think for many of people who want to be in ministry, I always caution them, be prepared. (laughs) I mean, you know, pray those big prayers. Oh, Lord, use me or sing the song. Use me, you know, make me break, you know, like hold on. Yeah, because you're you're going into the wilderness first and foremost. If Jesus did it, why would you not? Yeah. And nobody goes with you. And and my Mm. friend had a hard time with that. She's like, I just, I want to help you. And I'm like, there's there's nobody to help me but the Lord and the Lord himself. And today I realize, and when I say this, Abigail, I don't mean this arrogantly, I need no one but Jesus. Yeah. yeah. My husband knows that. Yeah. I mean, I when I need, I need him and him alone. Everybody yeah. else is extra in their gifts and blessings, but Jesus is all I need. And I don't mm. say that as a flippant christian statement. I say it because he is truly, truly, truly all I need. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That reminds me of, you know, part of my story when I was completely alone. I was grieving the loss of my mom and um, we were on lockdown. Mm. I was laying in bed day after day alone. Oh yeah. Miserable alone. And that was the beginning of my journey on, I have nothing. I have to have Christ. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Yeah. It's the stripping away. It's the stripping away. It's the, um, we don't need anything else but God mm-hmm. because ultimately he's the ultimate fulfiller. Mm-hmm. It's there that I think Satan does his best work too. If you, we all know this, the first thing God said that was not good was for man to be alone. Yeah. And so the enemy is also perched and ready for those times of isolation. He's done a bang up job with COVID. Mm-hmm. The one thing he could do his best is to get everybody isolated. Yeah. Um, and that's where he just has a heyday because, you know, the idle mind is Satan's playground, being isolated in the dark, being left alone, being covered up. Even the masks are that representation of just covering yourself, hiding behind something, not ever showing. The one thing I think that can, you know, have you ever just seen somebody smile, walk in a room and smile? And it's just like lights up the room. Oh, or, yeah. You know, if somebody smiles at you, I just purposely try to walk through town or the mall or wherever I'm at and just smile at people just to see if I can get them to smile. I do that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I just want to bring that joy and hope. And mm-hmm. I think the one thing that, that can truly turn someone's day around is just that smile. Yeah. And that's the one thing they've covered up. Yeah. And, um, it's sad to think that he does his best work there, but something that God's been teaching me a lot lately and just in my questioning time is God did some of his best work in the dark. Mm-hmm. He did so much good stuff in the dark. You know, Good Friday was in the dark. Yeah. Um, Moses, the people walked across the Red Sea in the dark. Jesus came in the dark yeah. to Bethlehem, you know, that they followed the star to find him. Things were done in the dark and all throughout, and I could go on and on of um, things in the Bible 
God did work in the dark or in the morning or the when the light, you know, appeared, he had been working. Yeah. And it's so there that I think it's the same as, you know, whatever Satan meant for harm. Mm. God will turn it around for good, yeah. just like in Joseph, yeah. thrown in that pit. But it's also there that um, I know that he has he has a window of opportunity to destroy us, mm-hmm. um, the enemy, and if we're not careful. But I also know that's where he, Jesus does some of his most intricate work within our internal soul. Yeah. And the best news ever is it never stays in the dark. No. It never does. No. It's even like in Psalm 23, you know, where it talks about even though you walk through the shadow of the valley of death, mm. the thing about shadows is there can't be a shadow unless there's light. Yeah. So the light has to be present. Yeah. So it's there that I love that that statement in and of itself. So you may be feeling like you're under this deep, dark shadow. There is light casting upon something that's causing the shadow, which yeah. means like if Satan's in the midst of that, God is right there. Yeah. And I love Lamentations 3, 22 mm-hmm. through 23. I love that. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yes. yes. And it's such an encouragement. Like, okay, you've just been through the whole night, but the sun is always going to come up. Yeah. It's always going to come up. His mercies are new every morning. And I just love that and how he's so faithful. He is very faithful. He's so to faithful us. to provide. And I feel like, you know, being in ministry, you know, seeing the ugly, it gets very raw sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, you get, um, you see more than you want, you hear more than you want to know, and you sometimes see the ugliest parts of people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to go through the ugliest things. Yeah. And um, it's amazing how he can redeem it and restore it and um, use it for good. He does. He uses it all for good. Yeah. I often think of Zephaniah 317 and it was just mm. a few years ago, you know, he delights in us and, but there was another rendition or version that I heard that he dances over us. And I just think I, ever since I learned that, I just think about, um, the teaching was like, he's just standing over your bed, dancing over you or just waiting for you to wake up. And I just <laughs> think of that, like, you know, when you were a little kid and your mom was standing there, maybe wanted to, it's Christmas morning, come on, you know, like, um, just to say, I, I'm waiting. I'm so excited. I can't yeah. wait to talk to you. And I think one of the saddest things we do is we get up, grab our phone, look at Facebook, get on our day. And Guilty. God, I know. I know. Guilty. God's really convicted me of that. <laughs> and he has been waiting all night just to talk to me. So wow. I would encourage that um, with the faithfulness that he is so faithful, even the days that we just blow him off. And be like, I don't have time, God, but I got time for Facebook. He is still there and his mercies are new every single morning. Yeah. And he never leaves. Never. Never. No. And that's just the best thing is knowing that even when, you know, like in my darkest time when I was running away from him, he was still there. He was still waiting. He's so faithful to us all. It was so cool just to see throughout the trials now looking back, like visually seeing him there each in every one of those hard moments Mm -hmm. he was he was always there yeah and building our trust i think one of the things when when we're trying to like we have five grandbabies and we've had one every year so we're always um teaching somebody how to walk (laughs) and it's so we have a lot of new walkers in our family and so but you know you hold their hands and you step back you step back you step back and we're, we're begging them to walk toward us. But I think God does that too in his faithfulness of t- 
teaching us and growing us. And I want to take you a little bit further. I want to take you just a little bit further. And he's like, God's backing up going, come on, come on, you can do it. And he's so good to encourage us. And then when we fall down, I think he, he picks us up, cleans us off. Um, when we start crawling, he even may let us crawl for a little bit. He may let us lay there, throw a temper tantrum. <laughs> he may just cover us up with a blanket. I think one thing we forget as Christians is we're still his kids. Yeah. Sometimes we get so spiritualized that we forget about Abba Father, which is Papa. Mm-hmm. You know, I wake up every morning just say, Papa, I just love you. Um, mm. I I didn't have a great um, role model as a uh, earthly father. As a you know, they, uh, you often think that your earthly father is what God in heaven is like, mm-hmm. and so that's been tough for me. But it's taken many years for God to prove Himself that He loves me and he adores me and it's mm-hmm. been a long time in coming um, many many years up until just a couple of years ago but i trust him now to know because of his faithfulness that he just proves himself over and over to me yeah yeah and how can you encourage others to better understand the faithfulness of god well i think it comes through those trials and just staying steadfast um I, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, just that old verse that so many of us love of Mm -hmm. trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, for He will direct your path. And just taking those two verses and just picking them apart and just just trust Him. And His ways are not our ways, so accept that. Accept that His ways are not. (laughs) I mean, if you can settle that, you've got nine-tenths of the battle won. And just, God, I don't know. And I'm just going to trust you because you can see ahead of me. You've seen behind me. You see what's beside me. You see what's over me. I know you know. You have the aerial view. You know, it's like <laughs> like Google, you know. It's yeah. not Google. It's God. And he can see the, the big fallout that's ahead. And so he may be slowing your pace. And don't get discouraged with that because he can see what's coming mm. on the day. I know for your mom and her diagnosis or my husband's, I mean, that's like a grenade being thrown in the middle of your life. God knew that day was coming and he mm-hmm. He was preparing us, I believe, for that. And He was. he's never, mm. ever left us nor forsaken us. Even in those darkest, quiet times, I think it says, you know, in Psalm that he is near the brokenhearted. I think those are the times he just sat down and laid with us and cried. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we're like, why aren't you doing anything? And I I think one of the greatest things I learned through our cancer journey is the present, the ministry of presence, Mm -hmm. just being, just being, not cooking, not cleaning, not doing anything. When my husband's at his worst is just sitting with him, laying in bed, holding his hand. If it's watching the 19th million movie (laughs) because he can't do anything or he can't go anywhere because he's on oxygen. It's just, he says, I just want to be there with you. Yeah. So I yeah. think God is the same way with us and his faithfulness to just stay and be there. Maybe it's not tearing down a mountain today. Maybe it's not, you know, grading off this piece of land or building a new ministry or creating some new program. God's just like, I'm here. I'm here for you. Yeah. And if if I'm for you, who in the world could ever be against you or anything? Cancer, COVID, mm-hmm. a crisis. Yeah. Because greater is he who's in us yeah. than he who's in the world. And what great comfort. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if we would just park there and stay there yeah, and stay in that comfortable place, even when it's so uncomfortable. And I think those are the times he's just stretching us the most. Mm-hmm. Like it's that little baby, like walk a little further and the baby falls down. You're like, I'm tired of falling down. Just hold me, carry me. He's like, but if I do that, you'll never 
gain strength. Your yeah. legs will never grow strong. And if we carried all of our little ones around all the time, they would never learn to walk. I mean, I love holding our grandbabies, but I know for them and what's best for them um, that they've got to learn to walk and walk on their own. And I think God's doing that through us and for us, but he also loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm living proof. <laughs> <laughs> me too. And so as great as the things he's put in my life or created me to do, he's also saying, Shannon, I know you're full of yourself. I know there's pride in your heart. I know there's fear and there's trauma in your life that I've got to work through to make you the best version of you you can be. So just allow me to do that in and through you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Oh my goodness. It has been so awesome talking to you. Oh, I'm just you. like sitting here just soaking it all in. We've <laughs> <laughs> lost track of time. <laughs> it's been so good. Mm, thank you. Um, thank you so much, Shannon, yeah. for coming in and talking with me today on this podcast. And Absolutely. it's real. <laughs> it's very real. Life this this real. was real talk. Yeah, and um, yeah, you're awesome. And I, how can people get connected with your ministry? So um, I have Journey Living Ministries. Go to journeyliving.org. Um, you can follow us on social media. We're out there on Instagram and Facebook. And so just watch for the upcoming events and um, yeah, this podcast. And I've got my own podcast starting in January. So it just all these girls. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> so all these great things that God's doing. But before I even hit the ground, I've got to spend time with him. So Amen to it's that. all about him and his ministry. And I think that's one of the reasons I called it Journey Living, um, because we all are on this thing called life. Yeah. This journey called life. Yeah. And um, I wanted this ministry to resonate with everybody. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's Thanks. great. Thanks. It's been awesome. An honor. Yeah. Thank you so much, Shannon. Okay. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. You can find me at abigailtip10. Leave a comment or a DM and I would love to get back with you. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day, friends.